Hi, my name is Erica, and welcome back to Rethinking Reality. This is our fourth episode. In the first episode, I gave a broad overview about what we'll be talking about in this podcast. Really just laid on a wide variety of really just outrageous statements that I'm (laughs) now going to be expanding on and backing up in individual episodes. The second episode, I explained why I think we all have parasites, and the third episode, why I think we are all living in our own realities, and that there is no objective reality. So now I thought it was time to get into one of the other main things I have talked about but not explained yet, which is my belief that we do not create all of our own thoughts and that sometimes we are essentially being mind controlled. Now, (laughs) I feel like now by the fourth episode, I'm somewhat getting the hang of talking about crazy things. Like, this is new for me to share my opinions that I know sound crazy, but they still sound crazy to me. And I'm sorry if um, crazy as a word bothers anybody. I know it does bother some people. And I think I I just, I have to use it in a somewhat self-aware way because I know like how these things sound and how these ideas are seen in not only mainstream society, but like among most people. I know how these things would have sounded to me not that long ago. Like these are fairly new opinions that I hold because I have had such unbelievable experiences this year that I've been forced to change my perspective on reality. And I know the idea that we do not create all of our own thoughts, that maybe something else is creating thoughts for us is, it's pretty like intolerable right off the bat for a lot of people. It's beyond uncomfortable. It makes people mad to even think about. (laughs) And it's not like I'm comfortable with the thought of it. I mean, I, I hate it so much that I've put a lot of thought into how to recognize it and how to overcome it. And I'll say, first of all, I, I don't know where the thoughts come from. I don't know who is creating them, what is creating them. I tend to say they, just because I need, (laughs) I need a way to refer to (laughs) the progenitor of these thoughts that are not ours. And so that's just a shorthand for whoever these beings might be, whatever these forces may be, whatever the process is that is creating this situation. My personal way of looking at it has been as parasites. That is a way that makes sense to me. And that I think it, it is also, 
it reflects sort of my starting point where I came from. I, while all these just unbelievable and awful things were happening to me, I was trying to find as normal of an explanation as possible. And I am, I've never been religious, raised without religion. Uh, my family are very scientific minded people. A lot of them are in healthcare, uh, healthcare, tech, education, like they're, that's just, that's where I come from. And it's also kind of how it's comfortable for me to think. So like in the episode where I talked about parasites, I talk about the, the reasons that do conform to the rules of this reality, why parasites might be able to, well, they are able to affect their host behavior. And so it's reasonable to then take that next step to think that they are doing that in part by manipulating their host's thoughts. I also explained why I think it is reasonable to believe that humans have parasites, even if we don't know about it or acknowledge it. And so that is the, that's the mechanism I tend to see. But I, I've heard other people talk about, and I, I can tell that they're describing the same thing I am describing, but they might talk about it as, you know, evil spirits or Watiko, the mind virus. These are different ways, I think, to describe the same thing. And so you don't have to, you don't have to use the word parasite. You don't have to use that framing if that doesn't make sense to you. That might be how I will refer to it sometimes, but I want you guys to know that I am still using that without like, I don't have a picture in mind of, oh, it's, it's this kind of parasite and it comes from this place and this is its name. No, I don't know. I don't know that. Cause even then we can get into, is it a parasite of earthly origin, extraterrestrial, interdimensional? I don't know. Is the parasite a nanobot created by the U.S. government? Maybe. Like, there's really a plenty of possibilities there. And so my mind is still open when it comes to those things. And I just need a way to, like, make sense of it in my mind. And that's how I'm doing it. So with that explanation, I believe that we are given false narratives to trap us, to harm us, to limit us, to make us divided from each other, to make us at war with ourselves. And I think we have no idea when this is happening because you always still feel like yourself. You still think they're your thoughts. I shouldn't say always, because you might at a certain point, you know, if it gets bad, maybe you won't feel like yourself. <laughs> but in general, people tend to think that these are always our experiences, our thoughts, our feelings, our trauma, our pain, 
our anxiety, our self-doubt, and the idea that somehow these narratives were given to us feels, it feels impossible, wrong, I think sometimes insulting, like that is saying that our pain is not real, but it is. The interesting thing is, historically, it's honestly not a strange idea that we don't create our own thoughts. In a lot of the ancient world, thoughts were really believed to be uh, divine inspiration, demonic temptation, or just ideas were often things that were like floating in the air and then might float into your mind. So it wasn't necessarily your creation. It is actually a modern idea that our thoughts are our creation. And I think that that explanation doesn't even really work for people a lot of the time because I would say probably all of us have had thoughts that you, you're like, where the fuck did that come from? I don't know why I thought that, or that just popped into my head. Or even sometimes you have a thought and then you're like, wait, I don't, I don't actually think that. I don't, that's not how I really feel. You know, sometimes we'll have this really cruel, self-hating voice in our head that tells us we're worthless, that nobody loves us, we are failures, and we're taught that that's our voice criticizing ourselves. And I think sometimes that can make us even harder on ourselves because not only do we have this mean voice telling us what a piece of shit we are, but that's our fault that we're doing that. We're torturing ourselves. And then sometimes we even turn that into part of our identity, that we we are tortured and self-hating. We, we, we claim it. We think that that's part of who we are. And it's like, I, I, uh, I struggled with depression a lot when I was younger. I don't want to make it sound like it was a transitory thing. It was something I overcame with a lot of therapy and antidepressants and psychedelic mushrooms and just years of work. And it's not necessarily like I never deal with that anymore, but not to the level I used to. So I'm very familiar with being tortured and having your mind be a really unpleasant place to be. And I remember when I would get depressed, I would have this this feeling like, yeah, this is the real me. What a fool I was to think that I would stay happy. No, this is me, this dark, twisted monster. And then eventually when I really got further in recovering from that depression, I saw, wait, that that's fucking depression talking. That's bullshit. <laughs> That is just like one of its tricks. That's part of how it gets you, is it convinces you that it is you, but it's not. But uh, this is not all about like depression and anxiety, although I, I think those are parts of it. Most people have trauma 
that continues to haunt them and hold them back in life. You know, it keeps them from being open with people, from wanting to feel their feelings, from maybe going after their dreams in life, from trusting people. It's a cycle of thoughts that they can't seem to break, you know? And I said in the first episode that I think that we live in a simulation and it is a prison for us. And I think that is true. I think that these traumas were created to torture us. They are created to imprison us. And they are very effective because they are so painful. Because the experience of them is so awful. It does have such a horrendous effect that then we don't need bars on the windows because we're not leaving. The trauma is itself a prison. When I first started to wonder if it was possible that something else in our bodies that wasn't us was creating some of our thoughts is when I started to get sick. And one of the first things, this wasn't like the basis of the illness, but there's kind of, well, when your immune system is really down, then it opens you up to a lot of infections. And I had a pretty bad issue with candida for a while. And so I remember, like, I hadn't eaten sugar for like a year. I just hadn't really been into it. And then suddenly I was just desperate <laughs> to eat sugar a lot. Because I, I know, like, uh, sugar is good for candida. And so I thought, like, when I have the thought of, like, man, I really want some Ben and Jerry's cookie dough bites, am I creating that thought? Or is Candida creating that thought? <laughs> and that's, that's the first time I started to really think, like, all these signals I get from my body, how do I know which ones are me? And which ones might be other things in my body? How do we know our microbiome isn't creating thoughts for us? We have assumed that like bacteria can't think. I don't know that that's a fair assumption. I have a, a couple of reasons for thinking that. First of all is I do subscribe to the biocentric view of the universe, which is it essentially means that consciousness is the base factor of the universe. It is the thing that everything else is made out of. So consciousness is a mystery to scientists. You know, we can map the brain and have names for the different parts and we know what they do, but nowhere in the brain can we find consciousness. We don't know where consciousness is. We don't actually have any proof consciousness exists except for our lived experience of it. We only know that consciousness exists because we are conscious. But you don't actually need consciousness to like have a brain that would function and would be able to make a body work. There's the view, which I think is 
pretty true that really we are like just a giant complex set of algorithms. We are just a whole bunch of algorithms and you could have all of those algorithms running and, you know, getting us to eat food and walk around and do all of the things that sustain life without consciousness. Consciousness, it wouldn't have to be a product of the brain. And we don't know how it is. We don't know at what point do you get all these parts together and it makes consciousness. So that's why some scientists have started to look at it another way. Well, what if consciousness is first? What if consciousness is the basis for everything? Now, I mentioned psychedelic mushrooms. If you've ever done mushrooms uh, or acid, then you will probably know the experience of feeling one with the universal consciousness. So obviously this is something, you know, I'd heard of as an idea I'd heard of. I mostly heard of it with people just like making fun of people who do drugs, you know, like, oh man, we're all one, you know, we're all love, bro. <laughs> Which is interesting that we have turned like one of the deepest, most important concepts that humans have ever engaged with into a, a joke, something that's like a signifier of someone being stupid. <laughs> like you've scrambled your brain with drugs, so now you think that we're all one and everything is love. That is fucking weird, if you ask me. <laughs> because then when you do mushrooms, you do feel it. And you're like, oh shit, all those hippies and all those druggies that we make fun of, they're talking about this. It's real. I feel it. I can see it. I'm part of it. It's awesome. I fucking love it. <laughs> I also have always felt that mushrooms have a consciousness. Well, I've always felt that since I did mushrooms. I wouldn't have thought that before. Now, that thought didn't really bother me. Um, if anything, I thought it was kind of awesome. And I thought, wow, we've been very hubristic as humans, thinking of these as lower life forms. But bacteria may very well have a group consciousness and be able to have goals, work together. <laughs> uh, that makes sense. Makes sense to me. Bacteria are not, you know, it's not like they're evil. They're not bad. They're just, they're part of life. Yeah, they can kill us. They also keep us alive. Cyanobacteria created the oxygen-based atmosphere that allowed us to exist in the first place. Like, so just that, that idea, I didn't really find bad. <laughs> if they're just giving you kind of basic thoughts, like, I want sugar, you know, then that's not too hard to pinpoint and not listen to, you know? When I started to really start thinking of this as, as mind control and in a way that is very, <laughs> very bad news for humans is when I started to get the idea that the thing that was making me sick was sentient. It was not just an infection trying to live or something. It, it was something that was actively harming me and did not want me to talk about it and did not want anyone else to see it. It didn't want 
it didn't want me to get any help. I know that that sounds pretty wild, but, and, and I, I am going to tell my whole, my whole illness story in a future episode, and that might shed light on some of it, but I suppose the, the short version is just, I got so incredibly sick, sick in ways, just that wide of a variety of that bad of things just doesn't happen to one person in that short a period of time. I went from fine to severe systemic illness, fucking sepsis, organ shutdown, anaphylaxis, um, cellulitis, UTIs, my kidneys were overstressed, metabolic acidosis, um, ketosis for months, which none of this made sense like with the my habits, the things I was doing. I lost all of my muscle mass, essentially overnight, became emaciated, had protein losing enteropathy, had um, things pop in my abdomen. I, sorry, this will be gross, but I, I, not only did I shit blood for months, but I also just shit out stuff that I don't know what the fuck it was. And nobody else knew what it was either. And to me, I mean, it looked like algae. I mean, it was the weirdest shit I've, <laughs> the weirdest fucking anything I've ever fucking seen. And it was every day. And I could not get any doctors to like care about that. And what was really, what started to stick out to me is I would see doctors they would ask me questions. Then there were certain things I would say to them and it was like they didn't hear my answer and they went right on to the next thing. And every time I mentioned that I kept shitting something that looked like red algae and including that it was like bubbles, they would have this blank look on their face like they didn't process that. And then they would just move on. And then they would tell me that I seemed fine. I was fine. <laughs> And I was like, that is insane. Like the things that were happening to me and the responses I was getting from doctors, they just didn't go together. It's like, my dad is a doctor. I've been around medicine my entire life. I know like what kind of symptoms are concerning. And I'm not a, well, I'm not a person who like goes to the doctor a lot. I didn't go to the doctor for like 10 years. I tend to just take care of my own issues. I don't have a lot of them. I was pretty healthy. So it's not like I have an overactive imagination about being sick. No, I don't want to fucking be sick. <laughs> like I had fevers on and off for months, night sweats, losing 20 pounds in the blink of an eye. And the people in my life and who loved me were afraid for me. And then doctors would tell me I looked good. And they would look, I had doctors look at my blood tests and then say to me, well, so your blood tests were normal, but <laughs> they weren't normal. Like I looked up all of those numbers. It also tells you right there, like what's not in a normal range. My red blood cell count went down and down and down. Every time I got blood work, it was lower. My platelets were too low. My red blood cell count was too low. My white blood cell count got higher and higher. I kept telling them I have an infection. They say, I don't know why you think that. I say, I'm concerned that I'm not, I'm clearly like not making new red blood cells or they're all getting 
destroyed and I'm so weak and I'm so fatigued and I'm covered in bruises and my red blood cell count is low. Like that is a concern to me. I'm in metabolic acidosis. I had hypercalcemia, hyperchloremia. These aren't normal things. So to have doctors look at those blood test results and say, oh, this all came back normal. I was just, I started to feel like I was in a parallel fucking reality. One of the things though that started happening that I knew, oh yeah, this also, sorry, this is once again very gross, but after something popped in my abdomen, a very painful and awful experience that I, my whole body just like, it's very sad. I tend to know what to do and usually in an emergency situation, I just, I don't really have any feelings. I just have thoughts and I just turn into like, okay, what do I do? I do this, I do this. And when this happened, it was like my body could not give me any advice and I didn't know what to do because I didn't know what was happening. And even just using all of my knowledge and my best rational thinking ability, I don't know what that is. And I could, my body felt like sad. Like we might not make it through this and I don't know why, I don't know what to do. After that happened, I pooped white milky fluid for like a week and it did not smell anything like poop. It wasn't poop. <laughs> Sorry, I know this is gross, but it was so abnormal. So I requested a stool test, got my stool test results back and it said normal stool test, normal stool test for milky white fluid. I'm just like, you're fucking lying to me. What the fuck are you talking about? So I was at UCLA Medical Center. I wasn't out, so it wasn't that this was a bad hospital with bad doctors. It started to feel like they're not allowed to see this somehow. Every time I present them with something they, with like clear evidence of how sick I am, they can't process it. Like I even, I saw the strangest, this, I, this sounds paranoid and, and you know, sure, that's an explanation, but a couple times with doctors, I saw them look at something. I saw a flash of like recognition in their eyes, like worry, and then it was gone. It was like, I, they saw the truth and then it was, it was taken away and they weren't allowed to see it. And I had, I had some really weird experiences where I would be so fucking sick at home so sick. I would have a fever. I would have a low blood oxygen level. My, my tongue was green. I was just like things that are clearly wrong. And by the time I would be in the doctor's office, all of those things would be gone. That made me like stop being quite so angry at the doctors and start being more like, okay, I understand why this, they can't figure out what's going on because this doesn't make sense. It took a while because I just, I kept expecting like this time they'll see it. They'll get it this time. <laughs> and then over and over, just, I would get the worst possible care. I mean, when I had trouble breathing, they left me in the waiting room for four hours. I had a seizure in the waiting room. They left me there. Like it was unbelievable. I don't know if you've um, seen the movie Zoolander, but there's this one scene where Mugatu says, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. And that's how I felt. It was just like, this is nuts. What the fuck is happening? Like, what reality am I in? Where 
is everyone who is sane? Why is nobody helping me? This is so wrong. And what was crazy is too, I could, I could take pictures and videos of some of these things that were happening. And I documented my blood pressure, my temperature, my blood oxygen level, which got very dangerously scary low. And at one point I was so desperate for any kind of help. I just started tweeting these things. I started tweeting the pictures and the people on Twitter could see that like, it was unbelievable nobody was helping me. So I was like, okay, this is not in my fucking mind. I'm not crazy and there's proof of it and it doesn't make sense to anyone why no one will help me and yet no one will help me and I'm gonna fucking die. I'm going to fucking die because no one will help me. I started getting anaphylaxis over and over again. I became, also I never had allergies before this. I still don't know what they were too. Why I became an expert with the fucking EpiPen. Saved my life over and over again. Until, I mean, the first time it happened, it was like the worst thing that had ever happened to me. And God, by the 10th time, it's like you start feeling, you're like, oh, um, my body's starting to die. Hold on. I have to go get my EpiPen. Like it, it's routine. It's... And then uh, the worst things got, it became more unbelievable that like nobody had helped me. And so then that made people more skeptical of me. It was like, and then they sort of asked me, how can anyone be this sick? explain this. I'm like, I can't fucking explain it. I'm the patient. I don't know why it's happening. I wish it wasn't. Can you do something about it? <laughs> so it did start to just feel like just unreal. It just didn't make sense. It didn't make sense. I, like I, I had a, a CT scan. They said they couldn't see anything because I was so skinny. I didn't have any body fat for contrast. So they can't really see anything, but they could see that um, I was just like really just backed up. And um, that didn't make sense. I'm like, I'm not. So if, uh, you know, they're, they're trying to give me Miralax, I'm like, I'm a vegan, bro. That is not my problem. If I, <laughs> do I have a fucking intestinal blockage? Like why won't anyone take anything seriously? And it's just like, I know the faults of, the medical system. I, I, I know how bad healthcare can be. And yet just some of these things did not make sense. And then when I had this thing pop in my stomach and I, I tried to get a specialist appointment, I couldn't get a referral to get a specialist appointment. The doctor said, well, you got a CT scan a month ago and it looked good. I was like, I got a CT scan first of all, a month ago before this thing fucking popped. And second of all, I know for a fact that they said they couldn't fucking see anything. Like my appendix is not imaged. Um, they couldn't really, they could barely see my kidneys. Like I, I know that they couldn't see anything. So like you're lying to me or you're just making no sense. And it just... <laughs> It was too many things didn't make sense. And so it started to feel to me that this thing does not want to be found. And there is no explanation for one thing that could do all of this shit to me. It doesn't make sense. This can't, this doesn't happen by accident. So things got worse and worse. I was having so much brain fog and just more and more neurological problems. You know, I started uh, not being in control of my limbs for a little while was not in control of my bowels, which is, um, one of the worst, most terrifying things that can happen to you, especially as a young person. I'm like, so am I going to crap my pants for the rest of my life? Because 
nobody will help me. Like, what the fuck? And I knew I had an infection, couldn't get in any antibiotics. I was having fewer and fewer hours a day where I was able to be lucid. And I was the only one looking out for me. So I, uh, that's not entirely true. So my, my roommate slash best friend was. But like, she doesn't know anything about medicine. She's not even from the United States. She doesn't know the system. So she could only do what I asked her to do. If I ask her to take me to the hospital, she'll take me to the hospital. But like, she doesn't know on her own what to do to help me. And it was also, it was becoming way too much for like two just like young girls living on their own to handle. No, no, it's not possible. You can't do that. It was way too hard for us to keep me alive. It was so fucking hard. So I'm spending all my mental energy trying, trying to get specialist appointments, trying to figure out, you know, do my own research to figure out what is happening, trying to figure out anything I can do to even like maintain my mental function because like my brain is everything to me. My ability to think is everything to me and it was getting harder and harder to think. That was worse than anything to me. <laughs> like, I don't care if I can walk. I want to fucking think. I do care if I can walk, but I would much rather be able to think and not walk than the other way around. And then one day came where I knew my infection was really bad and it had, uh, I guess, progressed to a UTI or it just turned into a UTI spread there. Uh, I don't know, but I've had UTIs plenty of times and I know that feeling very, very well. And I don't know if you've ever gotten a UTI, urinary tract infection, but I have heard I'm not the only person who has this feeling. I don't know exactly what it is about UTI in particular, but I just feel myself dying. I feel it. It is the fucking worst. It is intolerable. And you can die from a UTI. People used to before antibiotics all the time. And actually, my grandma died of a UTI. So I know when I have a UTI, I need antibiotics. And I need them really, really soon. And so I just realized this one day, like, I don't have much time left. I am really, really going to die. And uh, so I found an online pharmacy where I could just describe my UTI symptoms and get antibiotics called in same day to like a pharmacy in person near me. My roommate went and picked them up. I started taking them and I did start getting, I, I started getting better. I didn't die. <laughs> it was really the turning point because I finally got antibiotics, which I'd been telling doctors I needed for a month. But so that, but that, that like final day before, before I got the antibiotics, when I was still trying to, I was still trying to just like get a doctor to help me. I also didn't have any help from my family. And this was really shocking to a lot of people around me and like, you know, people online and stuff, where's your family? And I just assumed like some of my family would be with me, but they weren't. And I didn't know why. And I kept reaching out to them for help. And I'm really close with my family. I texted my dad and my brother and I told them just how much I needed them and please, if they loved me, this was the time. And I didn't know what to do, but I knew I couldn't handle this on my own. And I needed help. And neither of them wrote me back. When I would talk to my mom, our conversations were short and impersonal and really fucking weird. And then she would say, basically, I wish I knew how to help you. And I would say, um, get on a plane. <laughs> 
like, come here, take me to the hospital. And she would just say, I wish I knew how to help you, but I don't. It was heartbreaking. So on this like final day, which for all I knew, <laughs> it very much felt like could be my final day on the planet. I saw I will really die and no one will help me and they don't care. And I was so devastated by this thought that my family had abandoned me, abandoned me when I needed them the most. When I had told them this was the time I needed them the most. When I begged them for help, begged them to love me. If they abandoned me, that, I mean, that meant they didn't really love me. Had they ever really loved me? Had I been such a fucking fool that I loved them so much and they never felt that way about me? And so I still, I remember this moment. I'm leaning against the wall and I'm sobbing my eyes out. It's the saddest I've ever been in my entire life because my family has abandoned me and they don't love me. And then I had this moment when I really thought, I thought about my family. I thought about them. I thought about my mom. About a year and a half ago, maybe, my mom told me, my mom, who was a lifelong atheist, had never believed in anything spiritual, told me that she realized that when she died, she would become pure love energy and that love energy would flow out of her body and into me and I would feel it. And she wanted me to believe her that this would happen. And I had a hard time believing that at the time because I wasn't spiritual at all. And, um, you know, this seemed a little love energy, felt a little out there, but I could see how much she believed it. And it was so important to her that I believe it. So I just decided to believe it. I said, okay, I believe you. I believe you that I will feel your love energy. So then I'm crying, feeling abandoned, dying. And I think about my mom saying that. And I just think about my mom loves me that much. I think about my mom who loves me that much and has loved me that much since the day I was born. And it doesn't make sense that this would be happening. That mom would not abandon me. She wouldn't. And so I closed my eyes and I just tried to feel her love energy. I just reached out for it in the universe and tried to feel it. And then I did. I felt it. I felt it. And suddenly everything changed. Then I'm crying tears of joy because I suddenly realize I feel my mom's love. I remember what our connection is like, what her love for me is like, how much she loves me. She would never abandon me. And I think about my brother. Loyalty is his number one thing in the world. My brother who I know loves me and is so loyal, he would never abandon me when I need him the most. And so everything I know is telling me that this is what's happening. You know, they're not here. <laughs> they're not texting me back. My senses, my experiences, everything is telling me that I am gauging this situation accurately, that they have abandoned me. But I know them and I feel their love and I know they would never abandon me. So if right now in this reality they are abandoning me, then this reality is not real. It can't be. It's not real. And I knew then this is a fucking simulation. There is something that can control our minds and 
it tortures us with our worst fucking nightmare. Because there's not that many things like you can use against me. I pretty good self-esteem. I've done a lot of work on my own shit. There's not a lot you can take from me, but that's the one thing is my family. I love them more than anything. So what is the thing that would devastate me the most? My family abandoning me and not loving me. So that's why this is happening because this is the thing that would torture me. So this is torture. That's what this is. And I just knew right then, I just knew there is something else in my fucking brain is creating this reality. And it wants me to believe it. And it doesn't want me to know it's there. It doesn't want me to tell other people it's there. It thrives in the shadows. And that's how it has power over me. But I see it now. I see you. I know what you are doing. And I don't fucking believe you. And I will never believe that lie again. And in that moment, it did break some of the spell. It did. It didn't have as much control over me after that. It couldn't. It was like I saw that it had taken over some part of my mind and I kicked it back out. And like that wasn't the end of my illness. And I could feel it for a while trying to like fight its way back in my mind. But I just knew at that point, no, I, and I could also, I could feel it trying to convince me that I I was wrong. That didn't really happen. That's crazy. That's not real. I imagined that. And then I would say, no, no, you cannot talk me out of this. You cannot convince me. First of all, you can't convince me that you are me. You're not. And you made a big fucking mistake because you tried to use something against me that doesn't work. And it is sad, but I'm sure that works on a lot of other people because they do have bad relationships with their family, with their loved ones. But I don't. I have a good fucking relationship with my family. They're fucking amazing to me. They would never do this to me. And so I know they aren't doing this. They are not in control of their minds either. And that's how I knew it's not just I'm sick. It's not just I have a parasite. No, we all do. We all do. And I saw that mine is there and I wasn't supposed to. So it's been trying to fucking kill me. But I have figured out some of its tricks. And I have seen it. And it's hard to explain that part. Like, how did I see it in my mind? And I don't mean like I imagined what it looked like. It's like, no, I felt it in its presence in my mind. And I kicked it out. <laughs> it was like I figured out how to shine my mind's flashlight on it. And go like, I fucking found you, you fucking piece of shit. And the fact that everything changed then, that's when the tide turned and I started getting control over my illness. I started figuring out what to do to get better. And I figured things out with my family. I called my mom and I told her, I know that whatever is happening is not your fault. I am not angry at you. There is something that is trying to come between us is creating this situation. I don't know why, I don't know how but I'm not doing it and you're not doing it. And I know that and I trust that. I know you love me and I will never doubt that ever again. And she was really fucking happy to hear from me because her experience was completely different. She was living in a different reality. And it took us an hour 
to talk all the way through it, to talk through, and this is hard to explain too, but like I would talk to people and they weren't themselves. And when I started talking, she's not herself. And she's just saying the things that I have started to see the patterns of that the parasites make people say. But eventually I, I told her about feeling her love energy and I asked her to do the same thing. And I said, remember when I was born, that bond that was created right then that is eternal, that love we have for each other, just focus on that and you will find your way to me. And that worked. And then that became our shortcut after that, how we would get through the manipulation of our minds is we would focus on our love energy, feel it, and then we could talk. Then we could communicate with each other. We could get through their manipulation. Like I am closer than ever now with my mom and my brother. They have listened to me. My mom has been incredible and she has gone with me every step of this because like this, I know I know that this is crazy. I know that. And I know that most people would just not be able to believe it. And most people would never be willing to consider that maybe it wasn't that I was losing my mind, but that none of us know what reality is and all of us are having our minds manipulated. Almost nobody would be willing to actually consider that, but my mom did. She has gone with me every step of the way. We have worked through this together. We have found reality by just talking and comparing notes and finding our way to each other through the bullshit. And I describe my experience to her and she describes hers to me. And then we get a fuller picture of what's going on. And I got healthier and healthier. I kicked that shit out more and more. And now I'm, I'm pretty good. Some weeks I've been back to 100%. Some weeks not quite, but I was really sick for a really long time. So it's okay if it takes my body a little time to heal. But like my, my healing has been miraculous. It has been incredible. None of this is possible within the rules of the reality that we have all been raised to believe. But it happened. It has all happened. So that means the rules are wrong. And that's what our society gets wrong so often is we say, well, what happened to you isn't possible, so it didn't happen. But that's fucked, especially when you're telling a lot of people that all the time. You're just denying so many experiences so that you can keep your rules. But the rules are wrong. We do not live in the reality we thought we did. Now, I remember like my mindset, my thoughts and everything before I had this realization that I was living in this fake narrative. And I remember how real it was. Of course, that felt like me, my thoughts, my words. I didn't seem like me to my family. They were freaked. They could tell I wasn't me, but I couldn't. And that's how it works with the parasite. You can't tell that it's not you. So you can't trust your own senses, your own feelings on this. You can't. You have to look at the patterns and you have to compare how people are acting to what you know of who they are. If people are acting out of character, then they're not actually doing that. That's not what they're doing in their reality. If someone you trust, know, love is doing something out of character, don't be mad at them. Don't reevaluate everything you know about them. No, you know them your reality is being fucked with. And so is theirs. 
If you choose to hang on to your hurt, the hurt that you did feel, you did go through, your experience was real, but they didn't do that to you. If you choose to hang on to your hurt because your feelings are more real to you than they are, that person you supposedly love, owning your pain is more important to you than reconnecting with that person, you are also abandoning them to being controlled, to being manipulated, to having their mind fucked with. You're abandoning them. So don't you dare do that. Don't you dare pick your pain. Don't choose your trauma over your love. Because that's a fucking trap. Then we are just letting them win. We are handing over the keys to our freedom. I have no... I have no pain over that anymore at all as regards my family because they didn't do that to me. Yeah, it was my experience. And it's not like it was just my experience in my mind. It's what all my friends thought. It's what my roommate thought. Everyone who was in my life saw my reality. And the people who were in my family's life saw their reality. So we were both having our realities confirmed to us all the time from the people around us, which served to continue that disconnection between us, to deepen it. And this is what also made me, it made me realize that whatever is doing this has, it is doing something very bad to us because it is trying to separate us from the people we should be closest to. It does not want humans united with each other. And that must mean that if we are united, it will be vulnerable. And it is. The second you choose to trust someone you love over the narrative that's being planted in your head about them, you win, the parasite loses. I truly believe that's all we have to do to defeat them and escape this fucking prison. It is actually through loving and trusting each other and ourselves because they're counting on us not doing that. Their entire method of control relies on us doubting ourselves, having hurt feelings, not communicating with each other, not trusting each other, putting our hurt feelings and bruised egos over our love and our trust. They rely on us doing that. So just don't do that. And then their plan doesn't fucking work. And that's what I mean of then you will see too. I really believe that um, hopefully the intensity of the experience I had is not something everyone will have to go through. But I do think the experience I had of seeing how clearly this is not real, that the world is not what we thought it was, how clearly that was shown to me, how deeply I know that, that is an experience I think anyone can have. Because all you have to do is find the parasite narratives in your brain, refuse to believe them, and then you see the truth. And when that happens, you see that you have just experienced something that is supposed to be impossible. You've probably just experienced lots of things that are supposed to be impossible. And so that means the rules of reality are not what you thought they were. I will do further episodes on this topic to talk about the patterns that I recognized with the parasitic thinking and even just phrases, um, words. It's one of the things that gets kind of shocking when you start really like noticing this is that the writing is not very good and it's not very diverse. They're, they really have a limited number of scripts they just recycle and so you will hear people say the same stuff over and over again. You will hear the same phrases out of a lot of different people's mouths. You will notice, I mean, even just <laughs> try telling people that you think 
that there is a parasite that can control people's minds or, or create thoughts for you and just see what they say. Because they'll say the same stuff. You'll hear the same stuff. People will get defensive at the same moments. They will suddenly, if you start to break through, if things get too real, if they hear you too well, then suddenly they'll have to go. They'll have a practical concern that will come up. There will always be something of this reality that tethers them back in. And then a lot of times, next time you talk to them, try and talk about that conversation you had. See how much they remember of it. They probably will not remember it very well, especially any parts that got really real. Where they got really real, they won't remember it. I know, I know that this is, um, I know this is crazy. This has, this has been the weirdest thing that's ever happened to me in my life. <laughs> There's a before this discovery and after this discovery and that is the turning point of my life. I thought I lived in one world and now I know I don't. And I really, I want you to think about this stuff and look for the patterns and really consider these ideas for yourself because I don't want you to take my word for it and I don't think you have to. I think you will see this for yourself and I think it's really important because we should not have to suffer this much. We shouldn't be this divided from each other. And whatever it is that is making us suffer this much and is making us be this divided from each other, they must be doing something really awful that they want to distract us so heavily from. They must be taking a lot from us. And I believe they are. I will share more about that in the future too. If anyone out there has had an experience with this, has noticed this for themselves, anything like that, I would absolutely love to hear from you. You can email me at delphiapothecary at gmail.com. You can find me on social media at Erica Heidewald. My DMs are open. I'm always down to talk parasites. <clears throat> Mind controlling parasites. Just let's talk about them. It's vulnerable to put this stuff out there. It feels weird. It's uncomfortable for me. And I know that the easiest thing to do will just be to not believe me or think I'm crazy. And I just want you to know that will only hurt you if you do that. Because to not see this truth means to not free yourself. And I want you to free yourself. It's the reason I'm talking about this. I want everyone to free themselves. Please do subscribe. Share the podcast if you feel so inclined. Leave a five-star rating if you don't mind. If you do mind, then I guess don't do it. But it won't take very long. Man, this feels weird to just put out there. But if I turn up dead, it was the parasites. Avenge me. I'm kidding, but also avenge me. Bye.